Mom's Worst Day podcast is an avenue for mothers to share their stories, things that did not go quite as planned, and interesting trials that come with motherhood. The podcast aims to encourage and uplift women, ease the burden of their ever-present mom guilt, and to let them know that they are not alone. I'm your host, Nicole Chikwe, and welcome to Mom's Worst Day. You've got this, Mama. Hi, 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 everyone. Welcome to another episode of Mom's Worst Day. Now, I'm shaking, I'm shook, because in the studio with us today, we have the incredible Steph Vasari. Um, Steph, I'll let you introduce yourself before we get into the gist. Please, please, please introduce yourself. Okay, good morning. Good morning. Uh, my name is Stephanie Vasari, and I lead uh, CNN's coverage uh, for West Africa. I'm based in Lagos, Nigeria. Yeah. Yay! Thank you, thank you. Thank you so much for coming. So I wanted to start off by um, just talking to moms about the importance of shooting your shot because <laughs> how did we get the Stephanie Vasari here? I was talking to one of the producers who got now we're putting a list together of moms that we would like to talk to and your name came up and I was like ah oh, man ah but from where to where as in how <laughs> like no now but it was like yeah you know what it doesn't matter I mean just try and even, even if she says no then it's no it's fine I was like okay so I think it was like a random like 7pm I was like oh hello Steph my name is Nicole and I'm doing this thing and I was wondering if you might be interested in coming and you were so warm and receptive and you're like well you know I'm having a yes day so yes <laughs> and that's how she ended up here so I'm here sat interviewing a hot shot and I'm just shook so everyone just shoot your shots you just never know so Steph is here my first question is how did you enter the journalism space is it something you'd always been interested in or is it something that just kind of happened yeah so before we start I just want to say you shot your shot in a very warm and friendly and very approachable way. Thank so you. Oh, look at that. definitely uh, <laughs> one of the reasons I said yes. And the subject, being a mom, is really important to me. And it's not something I talk about a lot, mm. um, kind of the journey of being a mom. Mm -hmm. So that was also part of why I said yes. So okay, awesome. I'm Thank really you. glad to be asked uh, to talk about that journey. Um, so journalism, um, I'm one of those annoying people that always knew what I wanted to do. Oh, awesome. Yes. Okay. So since I was 12, I knew that I wanted to be a journalist. Oh, amazing. I was encouraged by my English and drama teacher because I studied in the UK uh, for my secondary. And um, she said to me, you know, you've got a writing talent and you should consider journalism. And it never occurred to me. And from that moment, it was like a light switch went on uh, in my in my mind. And I just dedicated myself to becoming a journalist from that moment on. <laughs> that is fantastic. Yeah. I think at 12, I was still set on being a doctor. I mean, at the, at the time in Nigeria, it was doctor, lawyer, engineer. So I was like, okay, well, doctor, uh, okay, docs, medicine seems fine. I can do that. But one of the things I knew that I wanted more than anything, I knew I always wanted to be a mom. So when anyone would ask me like, oh, what did you want to do? I'd be like, oh, I want to be a mom. And my mom oh. is there like, oh my God. <laughs> doctor, she wants to be a doctor. <laughs> Not right now, <laughs> later, much later. <laughs> Maybe much later, but yeah, she wants to be a doctor. So I love that even from like a young age, you mm. already knew. And that's amazing that you're encouraged by your teacher to do that. Um, I also find it interesting because you were in the UK and you're black. You know, and your teacher still thought 
I think you should go for it. That's incredible. Yeah. No, it's a, it's a, it's an interesting point because I had both sides of the spectrum where, you know, um, some teachers have low aspirations mm-hmm. of you mm-hmm. as a black student. Mm-hmm. Um, but I grew up in Nigeria. So okay. I was born in Lagos and I left when I was 12. Okay. So I had a strong grounding of who I was. I was rooted in my identity mm. as a Nigerian girl, as a Yoruba girl. Mm-hmm. And everyone around me was a professional. So there was no doubt in my mind that I was going to be a professional. I was right. going to be successful. So, you know, being exposed to that kind of the role models, the professionals around you is really important for a young person. You know, you can't be what you can't see. Mm-hmm. And that, that's why people talk about representation and mm-hmm. why it matters so much. And so no matter what, you know, low aspirations they had of me, I didn't have them of myself. Mm. And that is so important to raise children who are grounded in who they are. That is, you know? yeah, that's an incredible point. Um I love that you, I didn't know you actually lived here. And I think that accounts for so much because when you're here, you're not black or, I mean, you're just, you're just Stephanie. Yes. And you're just Yoruba. Exactly. And you're just who you are. Exactly. And having those years, um, those formative years and having them really establish who you are before you go out there um, and people try to tell you who you are. I think is I think it's critical and I think that's amazing and obviously it, it shows in the kind of person that you are. It's incredible. So yeah. well done to you. Thank you. Um, so you are a mom and I was wondering if becoming a mom changed your career trajectory, if at all, because one of the things that we get a lot now is that, you know, having babies, you know, it kills your dreams and it makes things so, so difficult. And it does. But for someone as accomplished as yourself, I wanted to ask if having a child or you feel like it changed your trajectory or you could have gone further if you hadn't had a child. So for me, actually, it was the opposite. Having a child made me more determined, Mm. made me more um, aware of my imprint in the world. What am I going to leave behind for this little girl? Hmm. You know, what will she say about me in the future? So I had a real profound sense of legacy Hmm. when I had my child, you know. And it was a strange time when I was on maternity leave. So in the UK... Thankfully, you know, you get one year off yes, to look after yes, your child, yes. you know, and that is a blessing. And I was at home and at the area I was living at, at the time, Han Hill, was kind of um, caught up in riots. Hmm. It was caught up in riots and it was, um, you know, we were really just stuck at home. I was stuck at home with a baby, terrified because these young people, like very angry young people were going around, kind of smashing things up, looting and... The police just had a policy of not engaging them and just nobody was arrested immediately. Nobody was stopped. There was no force used. So Mm -hmm. they really just went on a rampage. And I just remember sitting at home thinking, oh, my God, you know, what kind of life am I going to leave behind for my daughter, this tiny baby? And this is happening outside of my doorstep. I don't even know who my neighbours are. Mm. So it really kind of you know, in my mind made me determined to leave a better world for her because of this crazy situation that was happening at that moment. And that was when I decided to start my TEDx. So I started curating a TEDx or decided at that moment to curate a TEDx 
in Brixton, mm-hmm. which is near where I lived. And it was really just about getting to know my neighbours, the community, building a community so that we could engage, bring everybody to a stage, the same platform, regardless of who they were, to share their idea. And because, you know, there's so much disaffectation and and marginalisation in, like, society, especially in British society at that time, still still happening. But I just wanted to do my part and being a mum really helped to spur me on like most of my best achievements actually happened when I became a mom Hmm. because I became very determined to work hard for my child to leave her a better world and to think about what she will say about me wow that's so powerful um I mean I think you've even answered my next question um because I was going to ask about your involvement with the um the Nigerian the missing Nigerian schoolgirls, and if you're having a daughter and being a girl mom in particular, mm. if that really resonated with you and really contributed to your passion and fervor to finding out what happened to these girls, you know, because I remember that it was such a crazy time. And I remember you just <laughs> like everyone knew that Stephanie was going to get this done and you were so vocal about it. And I was wondering if um, being a mom you know, and in particular being a girl mom, if that contributed towards your passion at that time? Absolutely. You know, um, I grew up in Nigeria, like I said. I went to boarding school here briefly for a couple of years um, in Ijabode. And just hearing the story about these girls just made me so angry and sad because I I am them and they are me. Mm-hmm. And being a, a girl mom and knowing the importance of education for a girl child, which is denied to so many of our young young girls um, across Africa, not just in Nigeria. So all of these things spurred me to um, really kind of work hard on this story, to keep at it, you know. Mm-hmm. I've been reporting <laughs> on this story for seven years. Yes, yes. And every time I think I'm done, something new comes, a new element. And I know that it's part of my calling as a journalist to really keep amplifying these stories, to amplify these voices, because, you know, that it, that is an essential part of what we do. You know, for me, the Chibok girls refuse to be forgotten. Mm-hmm. There's so many kidnapped girls before them and so many kidnapped people before them. But the, the world kept coming back to them. Mm-hmm. And they, for me, kind of symbolise, you know, all of these people who have been stolen. And, um, you know, they really just kept that momentum out out there so that people don't forget and you know it's happening still happening now it's still, still is. happening now and mm-hmm. then, that is the tragedy of it for me you know i i was in zamfara recently um talking to a girl who um had been kidnapped from school and then when she got to the kidnappers forest she found her father and her sister and her sister's children in the forest with the kidnappers I mean, that is just the reality for Nigerians now. It's a daily reality, kidnapping. And those people, because they're not school children, they're not, nobody's talking about them. Right. So when there's a mass school kidnapping, everyone goes, oh my God, it's outrageous. Even now, actually, it's less and less outrageous. It is. It's it's more the norm. It's become a norm. We we accept this. Mm -hmm. It's, It's really tragic that but we've accepted it um but she went in there and her par- her dad was in there elderly man 
I met them all and they were struggling to raise the ransom from the kidnappers. And of course, they, the schoolgirls were released very, very quickly. Mm-hmm. Her dad had been in there a month. She was in there for four days. So it just shows you like the kind of disparity and the reality of kidnapping in, in this country right now. Wow. I didn't know that there was such a disparity in the way that we valued the kidnapped. Yeah. That, um, you know, if it's a school girl, then they would be more high priority because I guess there'll be more news around it. And you can imagine how many kidnappings we do not know about. Yeah, there, there are hundreds it's, of thousands. It's hundreds, hundreds of thousands. Well, I mean... Over the years. Yes, yes, of over course, of course. Um, because people just get kidnapped, they pay the ransom quietly and they get, go about mm-hmm, their business. Mm-hmm. So it's not really even documented. Right. They don't report to the authorities. And so the, the thing about the school kidnapping is that what you have is media attention. Mm-hmm. What you have is mass, like, you know, the mass of parents, the emotions, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. the pressure on mm-hmm. the government, federal and lo- and state governments. So then you they're forced to act quickly because of all that pressure. Mm-hmm. But if a single person is kidnapped, no one is agitating for them mm-hmm. as such, you know? Mm-hmm. No one is like saying, oh, my my dad was kidnapped. Mm-hmm. And, you know, even the news doesn't carry it. Exactly. So it's just not enough pressure. Like exactly. you said, it's not enough bodies and numbers. Right. So wow. it shouldn't be the way. But unfortunately, that is the reality now. That is wild. Yeah. And do you get, because you just mentioned that you went to Zamfara. Like, I, do you get scared? Like, when you're going, and especially because um, you're a mom, you're like, oh, man, you know, I'm going to the north. The north is crazy. Um, do you get scared? And what keeps you going back in spite of your fears, if you have any? You know, I don't go to a job, like, scared because then that fear gets in the way and right. stops you from doing what you have to do. It is unfortunately what I do. And, uh, you know, there are some some moments, some hairy moments that can be. But if you're careful, if you take the right precautions, if you, um, you know, you have the right security around you and all of those things are, are in place, you know, we don't just go, um, every every assignment is scrutinised carefully. Okay, yes, of for course the danger potential before it's approved and all of that. So it's not just me like rushing into the war zone. You know? <laughs> yeah. That would be irresponsible as right. a mother. But also my responsibility as a journalist is to tell people's stories. And that is what I signed up for. So it's at the back of my mind, but <laughs> it, I don't let it overtake me, if you like, you know, because... Mm. It's just my job. It is. And someone has to do it, you know. Someone, we need people like you who would keep the pressure on and keep telling these stories. Because like you said, it's so easy, especially in the current regime we're under, for stories to just kind of get swept away. So um, we're so grateful to people like you and all the other amazing journalists who keep going back and keep fighting and keep telling these stories. So thank you so much for that. We need you. So thank you. Yeah. I'd just like to say that, Mm -hmm. you know, part of also why I go is to bring the North to the rest of the country. Yes. Because there's so much misconceptions about the North of the country, about the people, about so much. It's one of the most beautiful parts of the country. 
you know, the northern landscape and, and you know, some of the cities out there and, and, you know, towns. Unfortunately, so little is known. Like, so few of us have really travelled around Nigeria. Yes, you that's know, true. We go to US, we go to Dubai, we yep, go to the UK. All but of them. Mm-hmm. We don't go to places in our own country. And that is fundamental to our own understanding of each other as a people. We're Nigerians. We need to know what makes us tick. We need to understand why we do the things we do. We need to understand our cultures to bring that unity that we so crave as a country. Hmm. So that's part part of the reason why I really make an effort to go and and, and tell these stories. Yeah, that's me. Well shade to me because I have never (laughs) outside of like my village and maybe Abuja I definitely um, I could do better regarding knowing really knowing more about Nigeria and you're right the thing is you know the north oftentimes it just seems so far away not even geographically but in terms of our culture and our understanding of things it just seems so far sometimes but How do we get to that understanding if we're not making the effort? So you've given me a lot to think about. Thank you so much for that. Thank you for that. I'm glad to. (laughs) (laughs) So um, I also wanted to talk about your TED Talk, Mm -hmm. How Fake News Does Real Harm. It was incredible. And I was wondering how that came about. First, well, let's start with that. How did that even, what inspired you to give that talk? So, I mean, you know, it's it's that really strange thing about life, the journey that life takes you on that you don't even realise at the time that mm-hmm. you're, it's part of your preparation. Mm-hmm. So, like I said before, I started doing a TEDx mm-hmm. in Brixton. Um, it, it was an event. You So, as a TEDx curator, you apply to TED uh, itself, which is um, the main conference organisation, mm-hmm. for a licence and you act as a volunteer curator Mm -hmm. and you put on your event, you tell them what ideas you want to share and talk about. And so I've never done this. I was just like, okay, let me just apply. I got the license and then I had to put on this event. I'd never put on an event before, ended up being for 600 people. Mm -hmm. We got sponsors, partners, and then we got all these amazing speakers. Robert Greene, the author, was one of them. Mm -hmm. Um, Amma Asante, you know, so many key people who had a link to South London in Mm -hmm. the area that I lived in. Mm -hmm. And I was curating their stories. I was helping them like a speaker coach to all these people to tell their stories. And I did not realise that I was also preparing myself Mm. for my own TED Talk one day. I did. It had never even crossed my mind that I would do a TED Talk. Mm. So um, I found myself, you know, when I left... Lagos, um, London for Lagos in 2016 I had to end the TEDx because I just couldn't do it mm-hmm. with my work and so um, one of my really dear friends Paddy um, Anigbo he was he's one of the co-curators of TEDx Houston in London mm-hmm. one of the biggest TEDx mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. out there and so he lives in Lagos and he um, TED the main organisation said that they're looking for ideas for a TED conference in Africa they were going to do a TED conference in Africa for the first time in 10 years so they were going to go around and do a search and I was like oh you know maybe I should apply gosh you know what what will I talk about and then I started talking to some of the people behind the scenes at TED that I got to know over the years and they like helped me to shape my idea and it became a talk 
and it was supposed to be a six minutes audition. They were like, okay, just go on a stage, do your audition, and then we'll see if you're picked for Arusha. It was going to be in Arusha in 2017. Mm -hmm. And so Chris <laughs> Anderson, the curator of TED, came to Nigeria and with other uh, kind of curators of, of the conference itself. They coached us. You know, it was like a really intense process. Mm -hmm. I gave my talk on the day. This is on audition, remember. And I practiced. I practiced so much. So that preparation was really key. And also use my the skills that I gained as a speaker coach mm -hmm. all those many years ago. And I, I crafted a talk, the talk of my life. <laughs> and um, six minutes after, you know, like lots of applause and whatever, you know. And then I, I get a call from Ted saying, look, this talk is so good that we don't even want to take it to Arusha. We just want to put it straight on Ted. What? I was like, what? So <laughs> I went from... Uh, an audition, a six-minute audition, straight onto TED homepage. Wow. Was that talk. And I was like, oh, my God. You know, wow. still one of the most incredible things. But it's things. an incredible talk. Thank you. And so needed and so necessary. Um, I mean, living in the times that we live in, in particular, it was just, I don't know. For someone like myself, I've personally been affected by, by by fake news, news. Right. um so i'm married to um nisa c who's right. like a rapper i did some research yeah oh, okay, i, I okay. found that after you talked to me so yeah oh, i was really? like oh right, okay, okay great, that's great, a connection yeah. yeah so um when the news of our relationship like broke it was like oh duh, 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 duh. nisa is dating nicole and there was a lot of so a lot of news came out and it was, a lot of it wasn't true. Wasn't true. Mm. So that was really, really helpful. I, I was also quite young when NATO and I started dating. I was 22. Oh, wow. So um, being bombarded with the news around the whole thing and, you know, my parents having to talk to my parents about what was true and what wasn't was horrendous. It was, I was, I was depressed. I was scared. Like I didn't want to leave my house. And this is me at 22 mm. and people even younger than that women that are younger than that girls are affected by this Absolutely. as well so it was when I watched that I was like oh thank god someone is talking about this yeah. um so my next question actually was regarding your daughter um it must be really stressful in this social media age raising Raising a, a girl and trying to shield her from all of this fake news and all of the like the rhetoric. And I was wondering how you are doing that. Like, are you intentionally creating blocks around around your child? Listen, it is actually one of the toughest things. Yes. That modern parenting uh, throws you away. And it's I've confronted it. So I, I gave her my Instagram access early on. Maybe she was eight, but I was controlling it in my within my account and she posts on it mm -hmm. but I vet it and you know just make sure that she's not getting any inappropriate messages etc mm -hmm. and how does she now she's 10, ten okay. she's soon to be 11 you know so she got a phone and then all hell broke loose <laughs> because she got a phone <laughs> and she kind of figured out how to like you know set up an email account and you know they are so savvy yes this they is, are this generation mm -hmm. were born into kind of digital you know we grew up with it mm -hmm. it emerged in our generation but they are it was here mm -hmm. for them mm -hmm. and they are so adept 
at using it. So she set up a Snapchat account. She set up a separate Instagram account. You know, so many things that <laughs> I wasn't even aware about. And then suddenly I was just like, you know, let me let me just do a check. And then just found these accounts and, you know, talking to people that I didn't even know. And, you know, so we just had to shut the whole thing down. But, you know, the thing I found, the lesson I learned was not to be punitive about it. Yes, there were consequences to going behind my back and mm-hmm. doing all those things. But we started to just talk a lot about everything. Boys, crushes, yes. all of these things. Yes. I'm like, oh my God, I don't even <laughs> want to think about this. Like, I, when I was 10, I was not thinking about crushes. Mm-hmm. But Same. we, this is a different generation. So we have to accept that they are growing at a faster pace, at a different pace than we did. So talk to them. Make your child your friend. And so now there's very little that we don't talk about. I know all, like, all her crushes. I know... Good. All of them. Good. And we talk about them. And, you know, she knows that no matter what, whatever it is that's happened, she can come to me. Yes. There's an open Key. door. Mm-hmm. I may tell you off. I may be angry, but we will always fix it together. Don't feel that mummy is just going to be, you know, someone you can't talk to and who's just going to be angry and just make you scared. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you should be scared, but you should also come <laughs> to me. Not be too scared. Not exactly. be too scared to not say anything. Exactly. Because that's where the real danger that's is totally. in the silence. Yeah. I mean, they're going to go out there in the world. Yes. So we do have some controlled form of social media usage. And, you know, I've told her about grooming, what that looks like. Important. You know, mm-hmm. Inappropriate touching. So many things that... You just have to be open and talk about. No matter how embarrassed you are, no matter how you feel like, oh, she's too young or they're too young. No, this is the time to start talking openly to your children. Because if you're not, someone else is. Exactly. And in the schools, oh my God, it's raging. They are exposed to a lot more than you think. Yes. So you better make sure that you know what it is that they're exposed to and start to unpick any crazy information that they may have picked up out there that you are not in control of. Mm-hmm. So it's 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 not easy. But, you know, parenting in this generation is not easy. But the, the way to do it is to be open and and be a friend and someone they can talk to. Absolutely. I completely agree. I think um, it's so in- it's so important to be intentional about communication because like you said, it's it's uncomfortable. And it's not just uncomfortable because that's your child, but it's also uncomfortable because that's not how we were raised. No. Like I could never <laughs> at age 10 or 9 go up to my mom and be like, oh, you know, I think I like someone. Yeah. Like that will be the end of my life. Yes. Um, oh, I, oh, I felt like that could have been the end of my life. So I would never have spoken to her about it. Yeah. So um, I love that a lot of moms now are, are being intentional about that, keeping the communication lines open yeah. because it's in that breakdown of communication, in that silence, that's where a lot a lot happens. Yeah. So, yeah, that's that's so important. And having these conversations early, I was reading about even um, talking to your kids about, like, their, their sexual parts and not... You know how it kind of... 
tend to say, oh, you know, your your bum bum or your pee pee. Like, no, this is your penis. Yes. It's a penis. Yes. And this is your vagina. Name, Name it. This yeah. is a vagina. Nobody should touch it, your exactly. vagina because when you kind of baby it and sugar it, it makes it not as um as serious yeah when you're just calling it like oh your wee area or your yeah. this so just being intentional about things like that there's I a think. really great book that we read when i think she was up about five or six it's called don't don't touch me there Pastor Nomthi Odukoya, i think wrote it okay amazing and it's it's really great so simple and it just says you know what is it appropriate touching what isn't and what you should do if someone does that you know because a lot of children are so confused and then if they're being abused um the adult can like manipulate them and you know but if they know beforehand oh yeah that mommy talked to me about this and also no secrets yes. only surprises yes oh know, right <laughs> yes so exactly you can say this is a surprise don't tell and then when a surprise happened the secret is gone yes but there should be no secrets with you and anybody that's that you can't tell mummy or daddy. Exactly. You know? So these are things that we talked about very early on, very, very early, early on, to create like this open forum where she can feel free to to talk to me. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for sharing that. That was awesome. <laughs> um, so I want to talk a bit more about your daughter because she's an entrepreneur. She is. So I wanted to ask, how did that come about? Because I have three kids and I need them to start working. <laughs> because I'm like, why all three of you? Everyone is broke. Why? Why everyone should go get a job, start a business? So please, how did that even start for her? Yeah, so, you know, she was five when we came to... Mm-hmm. Uh, Lagos and she's born in the UK like that was only her second time of coming here and she kind of had a bit of a hard time adjusting to the the poverty levels and you know seeing children on the street and she would always be like mommy give them money give them everything (laughs) and I'm like I can't give my money to every child that we see and unfortunately there's so many street children in our in our communities so one day she decided that she wanted to do something about it and we were brainstorming ideas i said you know we have to earn money to give them more money yes and she she loves her teddies and she said she wants to make teddy bears to you know sell and help them and you know that's how grace teddies was born and Grace Teddies is like um, kind of cultural range of teddies so made from African prints um, and um, a percentage of the um, profits um, goes towards um, helping ch- school children, uh, street children go to school or get an education. Amazing. Yes. So it was launched in 2019 um, and, you know, tail end of 2019, just in time for her ninth birthday. But then the pandemic happened and so the kind of shut all the production down. Of course, and of course. So, but we're hoping to kickstart it now that things are getting going and it's something she's still really passionate about and something that she wants to carry on, you know, into a, a, a kind of sustainable business that she can 
you know, grow and learn from. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes she delivers the teddies herself and she tells oh. people why they why we're doing it. And, you know, uh, we actually spent her ninth birthday in Ikordu with um, children from the Dream, um, I think it's called the Dream Nurture Academy. You know, they do the dance videos. Okay, yes, yeah, yes, yeah. yes, yes, yes. That's yes. it. So we're sponsoring one of those children. Um, education. So, you know, it's a lot of things. Um, but yeah, it, production of stores. So we're looking for production partners and all the rest to kick started again. But yeah, that's that's how it all came about in a nutshell. That is that is incredible because this is going to teach her so much about life, about yeah. business, about managing relationships, about the importance of social um, responsibility yeah. as well. Absolutely. So like this is this is fantastic and i love that you brainstormed with her um when she had again it just goes to show you guys are communicating because yeah. she had questions why are there so many kids on the stream how why can't you give them all your I money know, um so to be able to come up with a solution like that um that would also be so greatly beneficial to her but to society as well it's fantastic so we can't wait hopefully production um, kickstarts again really soon so yep. that we can all go and support please she has to deliver my own to me personally <laughs> yes <laughs> we'll bring to, one to you personally please please that's, that's incredible thank um, you do you think that you've learned anything from her um, now that she started her business and she's a boss <laughs> oh wow um yeah, I'm just always surprised at how passionate she is about, you know, choosing the designs that we use and, you know, kind of making sure that they are right. And even, like I said, just going to meet the people and say, oh, Mommy, I want to tell them all about this. And just seeing that commitment so early on and the mm-hmm. focus, mm-hmm. you know, is really impressive for me. Because mm-hmm. when I was 10, oh, my God, I was like the most timid, <laughs> kind of just, you know, shy little girl. Um, but she's she teaches me a lot because she's a lot more expressive. And that's that's what we want. We want to raise children that are polite but expressive. Yes. They know how to set their own boundaries and say, actually, that's not working for me. Mm-hmm. And sometimes when she says that, then I'm like, oh, okay. You know? <laughs> like, okay. But I think about it and I'm like, yeah, that that is totally what I want for her mm-hmm. is for her to be able to express those boundaries. She turned around to me and said to me something like, you're shaming me, mummy. Oh. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> I just had to pause. I was like, really? <laughs> you know, they have this vocabulary to really express themselves in a way that we did it. Exactly. And sometimes, you know, you have to kind of draw the line between being respectful to like elders and also expressing yourself. So that's the line the balance that we always some kind of walking, but I'm always impressed by how um, communicative and and expressive she is. So important, especially for a girl, because uh, in Nigeria, uh, no, 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 no. Exactly. <laughs> she, I'm, I'm so glad um, to hear about a girl being that expressive because we need women we to to talk. Yeah. Um, so. I, I love that. She's just such an impressive young lady. Oh, thank I'm you. so I'm I'm blown away. She's awesome. <laughs> thank you so much. So, um what for you, what is the best thing about being a mum? Well, you know, gosh, I get to parent such an awesome little girl, you know. 
she's fully formed. Like her personality, since she was like maybe two years old, to be honest, <laughs> her personality was fully formed. Like I said, she teaches me a lot uh, about expressing herself, mm-hmm. about confidence. She's very confident. Um, and, you know, children often are before life kind of bashes them around. Yes. You know, they're very confident. <laughs> and I watch her and I watch the way she relates to her peers, to other adults. Um, and I just see someone I'm really proud of, someone that I've helped to shape, someone that I'm kind of pouring into to kind of develop into a good human. Mm -hmm. So those are the really key things about being a mom, you know, Um, just helping to create a decent and, you know, fundamentally great human being who will be greater than me. Amen. You know, that's, the pra- that's a prayer. That's a prayer. Amen. For all parents, mm-hmm. you know. Um, so, yes, I'm, I'm proud of who she is and who she's becoming. Amazing. Yeah. <laughs> and then what would you say is, what well, I mean, obviously the name of this podcast is Mom's Worst Day. What has been one of your worst days of being a mom? <sighs> Yeah, there's quite a few. Where do I start? (laughs) Um, So, I mean, for me, it was... So I'm a single parent and I have been for a number of years. And, you know, it is quite a hard juggling act, you know, because you have to be both parents. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's not an easy journey. Mm -hmm. And it really does, for me, take a village. You know, when I became newly separated from my husband, I... I had to go and live with my mom and my sister and they, you know, my family just really kind of um, really supported me. Mm-hmm. Um, and that has been the way it, it's always been. Like, that's been my greatest support is my mm-hmm. family. Mm-hmm. Um, and <laughs> I remember once when I was living in, in the UK, this was my worst day as a mom. Um, I was rushing to get to an 8am meeting and I just dropped Grace to her school then because there's no house help in the UK mm-hmm. you know you do everything mm-hmm. and so I was running to catch a bus and I fell and I fell quite badly and I fell onto my knees and I was just like sitting there going oh my god oh, no. <laughs> like, this could just not be any worse oh, you know this no. is such a bad day so you know I was just sitting there on my knees in in, in the school and everyone watching me and, you know, like the way everybody is like, nobody comes over and says, <laughs> are you OK? Mm-hmm. They're just like, oh, what's going on over there? They're exactly. just walking past. And for me, it was just the day I decided that I needed to leave London. <laughs> <laughs> um, because you do get a lot more support here. Exactly. Exactly. Um, Must have been so overwhelming. It was. It was. Being a, being a mom commuting in London. Mm-hmm doing the pickups, you know, all of those things. At least here, you can get a nanny, you know, um, that labour is affordable. Exactly. Mm-hmm. You know, you can outsource a lot of things. Mm-hmm. And that's what I do now. I outsource everything possible. As you should. <laughs> like, you know, as you I should. I outsource please. everything. So please do yourself a favour. If you can afford it, outsource. Please. That is the only way to stay sane. I as agree. A and it makes you a better mom. Yeah. I think we find, and I, at least I found, I thought when I initially became a mom that the more I did, um, then the better a mother I was. So if I was doing everything myself and if I was struggling through everything myself and if I was, you know, 
burning out, then people would look at me and be like, wow, that's a, that's a mother. Just look at her go. What a great mom she is. But no, no, I was, I was depressed. I was exhausted all the time. And it made me a horrendous mom. I didn't, I didn't really want to be around my kids. I didn't want to be around my husband much because I was just so angry and tired mm-hmm. and frustrated all the time. So whatever you can outsource, please, it makes, if it helps you stay sane um, and helps you be the best version of yourself, to the people around you, then go for it. Then that is the major key. That's yeah. the major goal is to be the best version of yourself. Because, you know, I always, it's a cliche, but you can't pour from an empty cup. Mm-hmm. And if your cup is empty, then you're just, you know, you're, you, you have nothing. You have nothing to give you anyone. You have nothing to give. Mm. Yeah, and and also the, the saying about, you know, always put your life um, your oxygen mask on first yes before helping others mm-hmm. on the plane mm-hmm. that is such a life a great life isn't metaphor. it isn't so, it yes. so, I love that yeah so um, we're rounding up now we're rounding up now this has been so amazing so thank um, you for having me I'm a big um, before you leave I'm a big believer in affirmations mm-hmm. I read one every day and I kind of think on it through the day and say it to myself and so I wanted to share my affirmation today with you okay and so today's affirmation is i will talk about myself the way i would my best friend amazing what is that what are you getting from that i will talk about myself the way i would my best friend i think that's such a powerful affirmation because the the subjective eye is so critical mm-hmm. you know um you don't extend to yourself the same grace that you extend to, towards others sometimes. Mm-hmm. And that is actually one of the things that I am working on myself. You know, it's a process <laughs> to be kinder to myself and in the process kinder to others. So if I give grace to myself, then I'm less critical of others. Mm-hmm. Because with someone like me, who's a bit of a type A, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you're always striving. And sometimes that is good, but there was a tendency to become so focused on your goal, so focused on your on your drive that perhaps you're not so kind to yourself or others mm-hmm. in the process. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I'm learning that giving that grace is so important. And I that's what I take from that from that affirmation. Amen. Yeah. Yeah. Same with me. I tend to speak actually very poorly to myself like if I knock something over it's not like oh oopsie I'm like oh you're so clumsy why do you always I don't know why things like this always happen to me I just need to be better like why am I so I'm so critical of myself so when I saw that I thought okay yeah this was I, this is definitely something for me to think about because mm-hmm. I need to give myself grace and like you said teaching yourself and rewiring to give yourself more grace helps you extend that to other people it's so important absolutely thank you that was awesome (laughs) stephanie this has been such an honor i'm so excited i i i'm so grateful that you came this was amazing thank you thank you thank you so 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 much fantastic questions oh oh fantastic i was going to ask you for like (laughs) feedback after coming from you know a proper and actual journalist like i'm I'm just here freestyling every day so thank you that was oh no, no, that's the best. You know, it's, it's it's been such an easy kind of flowing conversation. Thank you. And those are the best kinds of conversations, awesome. you know, when you don't feel like 
it's a barrage of questions. Yes, you, exactly. Yeah. exactly. So well done. Thank you. Well oh, yeah. You're a total natural. Oh, <laughs> high praise. High praise indeed. Thank you so much, Stephanie. And thank you so much, everyone, for listening. Until next time. Bye.